0: who showed up for the cleanup day here in the church yesterday. Most of you that have been here for a long time are aware that in addition to this property where we are, the church is also responsible for the graveyard that surrounds the old church building. Uh, And that's a lot to keep up with. So a bunch bunch of folks came out yesterday to help uh, restore that to a better condition. So thank you to all who did that. Uh, I grew up in a family that play a lot of games. We weren't much of a board game family. We, we played Monopoly here and there. When I was really young, we played Sorry, which Sorry has got to be the worst game I've ever been in, by the way. If you, want to, if you want to torture yourself, go play a game of Sorry this afternoon. Uh, Settlers of Catan wasn't out yet. I don't think that would have really been part of our game night rotation if it had been. We enjoyed more interactive games, such as Pictionary, Babylon, and Taboo. We played a lot of cards as well, especially gin, rummy, and spades. To this day, when my wife Anne and I travel back to Tennessee, it's good. She actually had to go help out in the nursery this morning so I can say this without being worried. When we go back to Tennessee, we will set aside a night to have a, a game night with my parents. So it's me and my dad versus my mom and Anne, and me and my dad win every time, it's it's amazing. I actually said that because my mom watches these sermons on YouTube and right now she's sitting, shaking her head, feeling angry. But yeah, we do normally win, just to be honest. All right, for those of you that have ever played spades before, or have never played spades before I should say, I'm not gonna try to explain the game. What I will say is that the challenge of playing in spades, what makes it hard is you can't just think about yourself. You can't just think about the cards that you have in your hands. You have to think about your partner. You have to know how they generally play as well as paying attention to the cards they are laying down in a particular round. If you are not aware of your partner, The results are not going to be good. The more sensitive you are to them, the better the results will be. If Christianity were a game, sensitivity to others would be necessary to do well. While Christianity is not a game, sensitivity is nonetheless important to get the best results. In today's verses, that is what Paul explains. If you would please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 23, and we're going to read through chapter 11, verse 1. That's page 900, going to page 901, if you're using the Pew Bible. Again, beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Hear the word of the Lord. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? For whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Amen. The grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Verse 23, the first verse we read in today's text, is often quoted when Christians have conversations about whether or not a certain choice is the best one to make. I remember as a kid hearing this verse given as a reason I shouldn't go see certain movies. Sure, you're allowed to go see that movie, but is that really helpful? Is that really the best thing for you. And that's it. That's an okay question to ask. It's a good question to ask. It's just not the primary focus these verses are driving on. Paul is focused on how Christians' actions affect others more than he is focused on how those actions affect the individual in the present verse. Christians are supposed to be sensitive to non-Christians and one another. Our sensitivity is an outworking of our prioritization of God's glory. Those who want to make a point of glorifying God will be empathetic to other people. All things are lawful. But not all things are helpful. I have consistently found this to be true in my personal life. There are many things I can legally do. This afternoon, and I've used this example before, so it kind of speaks to where my mind is at. This afternoon, I could drive up to Seabrook, and I could go to the KFC drive-thru, and I could get a bucket of chicken, And I can take that chicken, and I can go home, and I can sit on my couch, and I can eat that whole bucket all afternoon watching football. You know what? That sounds pretty good to me. Alright? If I'm being honest. And the only reason I would get up would be to get an ice cold Coke. There are several things that I can do now that you can do as well that weren't even legal in Massachusetts. A decade ago. If I wanted to, I can now legally gamble in Massachusetts. The Encore Casino is only 40 minutes down the road. If I wanted to, I could also, I could drive over to the marijuana dispensary located right off Interstate 95, right there where Georgetown and Rowley meet. I recognize, as does most everyone else. That just because something is legal doesn't mean it is a good idea. If I got chicken at KFC then sat on my couch eating it all day, the results would not be helpful to my life. At the end of the day, I would not feel good. I would be worse off at the end of the day. The same goes for gambling. Do you know why I don't gamble? Because I think I would enjoy it. I suspect that with my personality and, the, and how I enjoy playing games, that I would like it a lot. And I don't think that would be beneficial to my life. I believe that I could bankrupt myself pretty quickly. We are all used to weighing how helpful or not helpful the choices we can legally make are in our personal lives. We make choices every day. According to psychology today, the average person might make as many as 35,000 choices a day. Although the blog post I found that number in seemed to express some suspicion about that number. Even if we don't make 35,000 choices a day, we make a lot of decisions. One could argue every word that I speak in this sermon is its own choice. And for the most part, we aspire to make helpful choices. We choose to go to work. instead of staying in bed, we choose a salad in place of a hamburger, we bite our tongues instead of telling our coworker what we really think of. Them. Even the good choices we make, Are often made for selfish reasons. I know what consuming a bucket of fried chicken will do to me, so I don't do it. I choose to avoid it because I want to avoid unpleasant consequences. I don't want to give myself heartburn. I don't want to have a heart attack. With this being the case, We need to use that same evaluation process of our decisions to determine how we exercise our freedom in relation to others. That is what Paul is telling the Corinthians and us to do. Paul writes, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Check. All things are lawful, but not all things build up okay let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor christians are supposed to be making decisions with the well-being of others in mind this is a much higher bar to clear i'm not supposed to be solely focus on how my decisions affect my own life. Everyone is naturally programmed to focus on themselves. If I make 35,000 decisions daily, that means I am making thousands of decisions a day that affect not just myself, but everyone I come into contact with. According to the Bible, I am supposed to be thinking about the good of my neighbors. Who is my neighbor? Well, if you go back to Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan, pretty much everyone I come into contact with is my neighbor, even those that I would think of as my enemies. To think of others' well-being in decision-making was totally foreign to the Corinthians. One of the ways the Corinthians were like we are today is that They were incredibly individualistic. These verses are not as challenging for people from communal cultures to embrace theoretically. Westerners, Americans in particular, we aren't programmed to think about how our decisions impact other people. Whether we are aware of how our decisions impact others or not there is no doubt they do think about your neighbors the people that actually live next door to you if they don't mow their grass their dog barks incessantly or they play loud music all of those things affect you we underestimate how much our actions affect others both positively and negatively and i think we underestimate our purpose in many cases we don't want to think about how what we are doing impacts others i already have to not do enough things i want to do for my own well-being i don't want to not do things that i find pleasurable for others well-being, too bad, so sad, making decisions that help others, it's not this optional aspect of Christianity, it is a necessary outworking of the Christian faith, Christians are supposed to have concern for how our decisions affect other people's conscience, today's verses are not about us knowing what is best for others they are about being sensitive to others thoughts of what is best even even when those thoughts are wrong paul is saying all things are lawful but it is not helpful to others to behave in a way that inflames another person's conscience the behaviors paul specifically mentions are in no way wrong he says it's fine to eat meat that has been offered to idols it's fine it's all god's just go to the market and buy meat and don't ask where it comes from however If someone offers you meat and tells you it has been offered to idols, don't eat it. What sort of logic is this? Am I to be limited by what someone with a less well-formed conscience thinks is right? Yes. Yes, you got it. That is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that Christians should be sensitive. This is coming from Paul, who's generally not thought of as the most sensitive guy. He actually shows off his thoughtfulness again and again. Every letter Paul wrote took into account the consciences of those he was writing to. Paul is actually incredibly intentional about knowing who he is writing to. He made sure not to inflame the consciences of his hearers unless, unless it was over an issue central to the gospel. I don't know about you, I don't want to be limited by other people's consciences. What if the person I'm dealing with thinks something really dumb? What if they are offended by the bumper sticker on my car? Or the social media posts "I I like? Listen, the application of these verses is not easy. The principle of being empathetic to other people's consciences can easily be taken to unworkable extremes. I'm not trying to tell you what living out this principle will look like in your life. Let's start by acknowledging that Christians will be sympathetic, will be empathetic to the consciences of other people we interact with. Being sensitive, whatever word you prefer to use, it's not something I want to do, and I doubt you do either. Sometimes, when I'm playing spades with my mom, dad, and Ann, my dad, who is my partner, will play a card that, from my perspective, makes zero sense. Keep in mind that he is always the one playing the wrong card. This should never be. It is his thinking that is an error. But even when he is wrong, I have to be sensitive to him. He is my partner. We are in this together. Even if I am more right than he is on what to do in a particular situation, being right isn't very satisfying if it leads to a bad outcome for both of us. If we both lose meaning right is not very helpful as christians we cannot be focused only on ourselves there are christians whose theology is nearly flawless and sometimes those same christians are terrible people to be around what they a certain situation may be correct but yet the way they live their life is wrong nobody wants to be in a relationship with them because they are so rigid a mature christian faith considers other people's consciences paul writes give no offense to jews or to greeks or to the church of god just as i try to please everyone in everything i do not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. If you were thinking to yourself, this can be taken to extremes. Or, yeah, I mean, yes, but I don't want to affirm sin. You should be aware that you are probably trying to come up with reasons you shouldn't apply these verses in your life. Yes, these verses can be taken too far. However, if your mind jumps to why what the Bible is saying is unworkable or unrealistic, that probably says something about the status of your heart. Your response indicates that you are aware That if you're going to take these verses seriously, you will need to change in ways that you don't want to change. Paul sums up how we should behave in verse 31, writing, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The prescription given here is not tied to particular behaviors. Whatever you do may include participating or abstaining a particular activity. I am sure there were those in the Corinthian church that stopped eating meat completely after receiving this letter. For them, that was the best move. Maybe because somebody they cared about would have been bothered. There were others that didn't change in any way. The point is not to follow a hard and fast rule. Paul definitely avoids making the consciences of his present time, in which he was writing this letter, into a never-changing standard that all Christians must meet for all time. What bothers the consciences of the people we interact with changes over time. We have to adjust as well. Our ambition should be to, go, to give no offense, if at all possible. This is particularly countercultural in the present time in our country. We live in a time where attempting to understand those that are different is viewed as a sign of weakness. Strong people have contempt. Those that dominate the national conversation are those that are most adept at applying and implying that their opponents are either ignorant or evil. It is tempting for Christians to get sucked into this worldly mode of operation. I can tell you, if you spend much time listening to people who only point out how stupid the consciences are of the people they disagree with, you're going to have a hard time living out these verses. Instead of being an imitator of Paul or Christ, you will become an imitator of a media personality. That's what you consume all the time. The only way we will succeed in any measure in doing what is described in these verses is if we personally prioritize the glory of God above all else. How aware we are of others and how much we are willing to sacrifice for others is an outworking of our core commitments. The, most important, the more important something is to us, the less we will be willing to give it up for others' well-being. This is one of those situations in which I am trying to avoid giving specific examples on purpose. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would be working through your conscience at this moment to make you aware of what you have prioritized above God. We all have something. Normally, these are idols. They are good things we worship as ultimate things. God wants to be glorified by people coming to Him or proceeding further in a worshipful relationship with Him. Christians facilitate other people progressing in their relationship with God. And doing what Paul has described is an important element of this dynamic. We do this with non Christians and we do it with each other. The healthiest church. The healthiest communities of Christians will be those in which those that are looked to as examples of mature Christianity are those that are the most sensitive to the consciences of others. In closing, I want to return to a point that has been made throughout the sermon. Christians should be sensitive to others. Paul writes, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Jesus was the most sensitive person who ever lived. Mature Christianity does not result in a person that is hardened to people, it results in a person that is empathetic to those they interact with. Remember Jesus' words on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even in the moment of his crucifixion, Jesus expressed empathy towards those who were killing him. Part of our Christian aspiration should be an increased awareness of others, Jesus is our example in this. To a lesser extent, Paul is as well. My hope is that as a church, we can be sensitive not just to those that exist outside our borders, but to each other. By being sensitive to one another, we glorify God who is sensitive to us first. Let's pray. Dear Lord, there is no simple recipe for doing what these verses command us to do. Each of us in our own lives deal with different people, we deal with different situations, and thus we deal with different challenges, Lord. And as Christians, as individuals that are trying to follow you and be in relationship with each other, We are consistently challenged of of when to speak the truth in love and and when just to show love through other ways. When to be sensitive to the erroneous consciences of those we deal with and and when to say no, that's not acceptable. And in these verses give us a clear command, but they they also don't fully explain to us how we are to do that, Lord. So we lean on your wisdom. We lean on your wisdom, recognizing that we cannot do this on our own. That we need your Holy Spirit working in our lives. That we need to look to the example of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would do that, especially in, in this time in which we live, in which Empathy and sensitivity are looked upon as weaknesses. I ask that you would be with us and that the people we interact with on a daily basis, whether they're Christians or not, would know that there's something different about us because of the way we interact with other people. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.